Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Well, welcome to Prayer Principles. It's Sunday night here at Rhema Family Church. We want to welcome all of the people here in the auditorium and also those of you who are online. We know that there is no distance in the spirit. So if you're watching this live with us tonight, you're joining with us in the same room. But if you're watching this after the event, there's no time in eternity. And so you can join us wherever and whenever you are here with us in this room. Um, And the Bible says that where any two or more are gathered together, he is there in the midst. So let's start with prayer before we do prayer. Father, we just thank you for this amazing privilege tonight of meeting together in your name. We know that you promised that you would be here in our midst. Holy Spirit, you are the best teacher. And so we rely on you tonight to to explain, to reveal, to disclose, to transmit the truth about Jesus and the truth about our relationship in him and the truth about our collaboration with him in the body for the purposes of God. We thank you for it tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, of course, tonight is we're talking about prayer principles. And Pastor Tony um, initially had in his heart that during these times of prayer principles, we would look at the, um, out of Ephesians, which says, all manner of prayer. You know, out in, in, in Ephesians, it says, praying at all times with all manner of prayer. In other words, there are lots and lots of different ways of communicating with and working with God in prayer. And so when we start to understand that, we can be much more effective in our communication. Um, You know, this when we uh, counsel people before marriage, we spend quite a bit of time talking to them about communication. Um, And, you know, it's very interesting because when people communicate with each other, particularly in a marriage relationship, do you know that there's all manner of communication in a marriage relationship? You know, um, some husbands think um, a grunt every now and then. Yeah, good, right, all right. That's communication. Well, communication's much more than that. Some women, and I, I shouldn't even say it, but some spouses in a relationship just do this all day long. Well, that's one form of communication. But do you know that in, a, in, a, in a, I use the example of a marriage relationship because that can be quite complicated. There's all manner of communication. Now, you know, when we talked about uh, all manner of prayer, we looked at, if you can remember, and it's on our website, that hand, where worship is, is you know, everything stems out of worship, but there's the pet prayer of consecration and commitment, the prayer of agreement, the prayer of faith, the prayer of, help me along here, intercession and casting your cares, okay? There's all these different kinds of prayers. And we talked about the rules that govern prayer. Well, what happens with prayer is it's not so much that there are rules and God says, you know, it's, it's a bit like, you know, I don't know about you, I, I make appointments to see the doctor on an app and it says, what kind of consultation do you want? Well, you know, prayer is not like that. 
You, you go to the, to the door of the prayer room and you know, there's the angel there saying, um, what manner of prayer are you wanting to come today? And, and you go, okay, supplication. All right, supplication, you can go in. But don't you bring intercession or giving of thanks in because you've just wanted to. Do you know, prayer is not like that. Prayer is a living, breathing relationship with God. But there are different characteristics of the kinds of prayer that we can engage in. And what happens is that it helps us in, in hindsight to know the breadth of the many ways that we can communicate with God. Some people think prayer is just go to God, dear God, help me today, I need this, I need that, and give me strength and take care of my kids. You know, there you go, I've prayed. Ka-ching, go home. There's more to prayer than that. So I was thinking about the different kinds of communication that you have, say, that I have with my husband. Um, for example, there's loving language. You know, and I'm not going to tell you what I say to him and he says to me, but you know what I'm talking about. It's those little things you say that just let them know that you love them. So there's loving language. There's information transfer. That's really important in a marriage. I need to tell him things and he needs to tell me things, especially when we had kids. Who's picking the kids up today? Who's going to do the shopping? Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? Information transfer. Then there's asking for help and requests. I don't know about you, but I ask my husband a lot for help, and he asks me for help on occasions. And then there's commitment language. That's when you're really serious. You know, darling, I love you. I'm, you know I'm staying with you. I'm sticking with you. I'm not going anywhere. There's that commitment language. I remember seeing, uh, hearing a man say, well, you know, I told my wife I loved her on our wedding day. She's not the kind of person to forget that kind of thing. <laughs> and then never, nothing ever was said. Well, you know, that kind of commitment language it's good to reinforce it in your marriage relationship. There's supportive language, words of affirmation. Darling, you did a great job. I love the way you mowed the lawn. Thanks for hanging the washing out today. You know, there's that kind of, of um, uh, language. Thanks and validation, which is very similar. And then there's the one that I really like. I really enjoy this, and this is task-focused language. Now, my husband and I love doing things together especially like DIY stuff. And we talk about it, and he tells me what he thinks, and I tell him what I think, and then he does what I think, and then it's, you know, measure twice, cut once, all that kind of thing. This working together and the interaction that we have with each other when we're working on the same task. You can see that this kind of communication that I have with my husband is so broad. And if I just thought communication with my husband is, what kind of day did you have today, darling? Oh, great, yeah, I did that too, yeah, great. Okay, good night, we've talked, we've communicated. There's much more, much more to a marriage relationship. And prayer is very much the same thing. There are characteristics of prayer that help us to identify how we communicate with God. It broadens our capability, our potential, our capacity in communication with God. So you understand when we talk about the rules of prayer that govern each type of prayer, it's not so much rules like you've got to do this, that, that. It's the, it's the description of what that kind of prayer is. For example, the prayer of consecration. We know that when it comes to the prayer of consecration, just like Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed and he said, 
not my will but thine. I consecrate, I give my life. This is not about me, this is about you, God, and whatever my will is is irrelevant. That's the prayer of consecration. And, you know, I don't get into that kind of prayer every day, but when I do, I mean business with God. And that's the one where I say, Lord, I lay down my will, not thy will, but not my will, but thine be done. Now, that not my will, but thine be done, you don't take that into the prayer of faith. I thank you, Jesus, that you died for my sin, and if it be your will, you will save me. Well, it is his will. So you don't take that kind of language into the prayer of faith. And it helps you to understand when you pray the prayer of faith, you can pray it once, you can declare it, you can believe it, you can speak it, and it'll be done. That's the prayer of faith. And then there are other kinds of prayer, the prayer of agreement. And so, you know, we have had some teaching over the last how many months, and Pastor Patsy has, has expounded it brilliantly and given lots of examples of what these different kinds of prayer are. And so tonight I want to focus in on one particular kind of prayer. But before I do, I just want to give a little bit more foundation to this. Um, you know, I was talking to someone this week and they said, does all prayer originate from God? And I said, well, absolutely. Then I thought about it and I thought, how does prayer work? And so I had a look in Isaiah 55 and I'm going to read that for you. And in verse 6 of Isaiah 55, it says, Seek, inquire for, and require the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Aren't you glad that God is near? He's as close as just your breath. Okay? And we can, because of Jesus, come boldly to God. Then it says in verse 7, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Well, you can say, well, I'm not wicked, nor am I unrighteous. But you know what? That word wicked means twisted. Have any of you had any incorrect thinking about God? I have. I've had some incorrect thinking and some unrighteous thoughts. In other words, I've had some thoughts that are not right. So I've had some twisted thinking and thoughts that aren't right. So what I do when I come to God in prayer, I put my thoughts behind me. Lord, I, I, I'll tell you what I think about this, Lord. I think this, this and this, but I'm laying it down and I'm coming to you while you can be found. So let us lay aside our own thinking. And in verse 8 it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now in, in the New Testament that scripture is also repeated and it says, But we have the mind of Christ. Aren't you glad that we have the mind of Christ? God's thoughts are still higher than our thoughts. Yes. Absolutely. You'll never outthink God. You'll never know everything that's in the mind of God. It's just not possible. But we can find the mind of Christ or the mind of God when we come to him. So we lay down our own thoughts and we come to him. Now, this is this beautiful picture of a circle of prayer. For as the rain and snow come down from the heavens and return not there again, but water the earth and make it bring forth and sprout, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. 
It shall not return to me void without producing any effect useless, but it shall accomplish that which I please and purpose, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So when we are praying about anything and we come to God, we unpack our pockets, unpack our thinking, lay all our own thoughts and ideas behind us, come into the throne of God to seek his thoughts, because his thoughts are higher. And aren't you thankful that Jesus gave us, because of what he did in the work of redemption, gave us access that we can come boldly to the throne of God. So we come boldly to the throne of God, and you know what we find there? His will, his plan, and his word. And he sends his word like rain, and it comes into our heart, it comes up out of our mouth, it does what it's sent forth to do, and we send it back to him. There's this beautiful circle of prayer that always originates in God. Always originates in God. Effective prayer. You know, there's the kind of prayer where you just talk to God. When you, you and God have just have this wonderful relationship and you talk with him. You know, I, I find it interesting that Jesus, he went up to pray and he prayed all night. And I thought, wow, have, has anybody ever been to an all-night prayer meeting? I mean, come one o'clock in the morning, I'm a little bit tired, okay? But you know what I was thinking about when, when James and I first started going out together... We, he had a panel van and we always had kids in the back of the panel van, right? And so we'd drive around, we'd drop everybody off, but I was always the last to get dropped off. And he'd pull up in the driveway and we'd talk. And it'd come 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, and my mother would switch the front light on. What are you doing out there? We're just talking. And we were just talking. We could have talked until the sun rose. Isn't that amazing? When you're with someone that you really love, you never run out of something to say. Wouldn't you like to have that kind of relationship with God? I would. I talk to God and we have some sweet times, but I'm telling you what, I, well, I like to be like Jesus. Wouldn't it be wonderful to just spend all night talking to God? We've had some wonderful things to say. Anyway, so well, tonight I want to focus on the, this this when we talk with God and we come into the throne room and then he gives us his word. This is that task-focused language. You know, um, I'm a bit of a task-focused person. I love to do things with people. And <coughs> so with God, I love to labor with God. I love to, to talk to him and worship him. But I'll tell you what, when God says, we've got something to do, I go, yes, I'm there. So tonight I want to focus on the business side of prayer, the business side of prayer. And so we, um, we, the Bible says in, in Matthew, when Jesus was at the woman, with the woman of, at the well, woman of Samaria, and he said to this woman, those that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. So when it comes to the business side of prayer, this, this side of prayer where we go into the throne room, we get something from God, we speak it here on the earth, and you know God created us to be speaking spirits. He needs a voice on the earth to speak out his word. And when we speak out his word, we send it back to him and we get stuff done. We get stuff done. And Jesus said those that worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. And it's the same for prayer. When we pray, we pray in spirit 
and in truth. Now, the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and helps us to pray, and I'm so thankful for praying in tongues. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit's leading in prayer. Praying in the Spirit's not just praying in tongues. Praying in the Spirit is actually being more aware of what the Spirit of God is saying than aware of what's happening out in the world. When the Spirit of God provokes you to prayer, that's so much more important. Sometimes things you see with your eyes or things that happen will provoke you to prayer, send you to the throne room. But I love it when the Holy Spirit provokes me to pray. And I pray according to his unction in spirit. But I want to focus on praying in truth tonight and take a fresh look at the word of God. You know, this became very personal to me. A couple of weeks ago, my husband and I were involved in a car accident. And, you know, you can see I'm walking, talking, I'm, fi I'm fine. But the car was written off. And, um, you know, I sustained quite a bit of a bashing. And um, this happened on the Tuesday. And Tuesday, Wednesday, I had texts from people saying, heard you're in a car accident, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Are you doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing fine. I'm a woman of faith, aren't I? I'm doing fine. So people are texting me and saying, are you okay? And it was so heartwarming that people cared. It was really lovely. But I tell you, I was struggling, physically and emotionally, I was struggling. Then on Thursday night, someone sent me a verse of scripture. And it was just the last three verses in Psalm 91, very, I mean, everybody knows Psalm 91 when it comes to protection. But she sent me this last three. And, the, and one of the verses was, he will rescue and honour you, because, you he knows, because he knows my name. Now, we know that. But as I read that, in the middle of the night, I read that word, it started to bring healing to not only my body, but my soul. I rested, I relaxed. And while I was really thankful for everybody who said, yeah, we're praying for you, and I go, that's great, thank you. The word of God started to affect something in my body. I've never, ever experienced it quite like that. And from that, that night on, I started to really recover. And so I asked the Lord about this, the word. What does the word do? And I was thinking, of course, you know, one John, John 1 in the beginning was the word, but we'll go there in a minute. So I want to have a look a little bit more at the Word of God. Do you know that uh, I have been watching a fellow by the name of Dr. Stephen Meyer, who is a, a proponent of intelligent design, a scientist. And he says intelligent design is not a theological argument, it's actually a scientific argument. And what he says is, you can put that first slide up, all life originates in information. So what some scientists have said is that matter and energy are the source of all life. That's the basic building blocks of all life, matter and energy. But that is a lot like saying that my computer here is a bunch of plastic wires and electricity. And it is. But is that the operation of this computer, does it start with matter, with plastic wires and electricity? Does it start with that? What's essential for my computer to operate? The hardware, the software, 
the software, yeah, the hardware and the software. If I don't code that computer with the right information, it's just going to be a flashing screen and all pixelated. And you ever seen your computer crash? Nothing intelligent comes out of it. So when we think about the creation of all matter, it does not start with matter, energy, um, and you know molecules and atoms. It doesn't start there. You know what it starts with? Information. And, and so that is the main reason why intelligent design is a scientific um, proposal. Because before all matter, energy, molecules, etc., had to be information. Okay? So the next slide, DNA is actually a code. Now my computer works on a code of on or off. And just using those two letters, as it were, I can do a whole lot of amazing things on my computer. Well, DNA is a set of rules, code, the coded information that gives instruction to your body. And you think, where are we going with this in prayer? We're going somewhere. It's made up of four nucleotide bases. The letters are A, C, G, and T. Now, using those four letters, your DNA has a long string of information. A long string of information. Go to the next slide. Now, if you have a look at the top there, there's all the letters of the alphabet. And in that top line, can you extract any meaning? Absolutely not. It would be the same as me taking all the letters out of my Scrabble game and just throwing them on the table and putting them along line. It means nothing. But there are those same letters in the second uh, white box. You can read that and it has meaning. As soon as I say the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog, I see it in my head. Don't you see it? The quick brown fox jumping over the lazy dog. That's the power of information. So we can say that all of the English language originates in the alphabet. No, it doesn't. The English language originates in the mind of the speaker. And so all of life on earth originates from an idea or originates from a long set of instructions of DNA. There had to be an intelligence behind all nucleus, nucleuses, atoms, matter, energy. There has to be intelligence behind it for it to actually take any form and make any sense. So, the Bible says in 1 John 1 that in the beginning was the Word. Now, this word, Word, is logos. And from that word logos, we get the word logic. And so we, as Word of Faith people, we love, to, we love the rhema, don't we? The rhema, the revealed word. But, do you t but I tell you what, never underestimate the power of the Logos. Because in the beginning was the Logos. And here's the definition of some of the words, uh, some, of the, um, some definitions of the word Logos. The first one comes from Webster's Dictionary. It's the divine wisdom manifest in creation government and redemption of the world and often identified with the second person of the Trinity, which is Jesus. It's also the reason that in ancient Greek philosophy is the controlling principle in the universe. 
So even in Greek philosophy, they said logos is the controlling principle of the whole world, of the whole universe. It's logic. It's an idea. It's information. In, an, in other definitions, uh, the word logos is described as the word of God, the principle of divine reason and creative order, identified in the Gospel of John with the second person of the Trinity incarnate in Jesus. The other definitions for the word logos is computation, intelligence, and code. Do you know in the mind of God, there was a logical, intelligent code that was, to, was used to create all of the universe, including you, including this world that we live in. God sent the instructions... And he made them available in Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus existed before the foundation of the world and everything that was created was created through him. So this is how I see it. In Jesus is the whole code of all creation. The whole code of all creation. Let's read in John chapter 1. And look, let's look at the next slide. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Okay, so let's look at that word logos, or intelligent design, or code, creative code. In the beginning was the creative code, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. So here's Jesus, the source of all creative DNA, all of creation is in his DNA. It's in him. And so God took from everything that was in Jesus and he created the everything. All things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. Before the Big Bang was, was information. DNA is the foundation of all living things. DNA holds the information or the code of life and had to be existence before anything came into being. Doesn't that just want you... Don't you just want to worship Jesus for that? He is the source of all living things. So um, when we speak God's word... The world was created by the word. And you know that. I don't need to go into detail. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, um, God created the heaven and the earth and God said and God saw. He used words for creation. So all of creation is the expression of God by Jesus. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9. For in him the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead, continues to dwell in bodily form. And in him... And you are in him, listen to this, made full and having, to come full, having come to fullness of life, in Christ you too are filled with the Godhead. He is the head of all rule and authority. So you are in him. So look at it this way. When God was going to create Lahima, he went into Jesus and he found, he extracted the DNA that would make Lahima. And here she is. When God was, was, had you, because you know in Ephesians, let's turn over to Ephesians 1 verse 4. 
It says, even as in his love, he chose us, actually picked us out for himself as his own in Christ before the foundation of the world. Isn't that amazing? Before the foundation of the world, you were in Christ Jesus. The perfect DNA code for you, for your life, was found in Christ Jesus. And he picked you out before the foundation of the world. Took a little while for you to come into being, but here you are. That we should be... Now, the DNA that Jesus picked, that God picked out for you was that you would be wholly consecrated, set apart for him, and blameless in his sight even above reproach, before him in love. Let me read that again. Ephesians 1.4, even as in his love he chose us, he picked us out for himself as his own in Christ before the foundation of the world. He went to that huge resource of perfect DNA and he picked you out. He picked you out perfect DNA, that we should be holy. So this is how he picked you out. You're holy, you're consecrated, you're set apart for him, you are blameless in his sight, even above reproach, before him in love. Now let me tell you, DNA can be mutated and can be corrupted. Even like my computer, if something goes wrong, it can even take one of those letters out, you know, that you look at any sentence, take some of those letters out and rearrange them, the sentence makes no sense anymore. Do you know that your DNA can be corrupted by what you eat, by um, pollution, by how you live? You can, you, it can even inherit corrupt DNA from your, your parents and your DNA is affected by what you say by what you speak, because all of creation responds to the spoken word. It was the spoken word that created all, all creation, and, and, you know, all creation, it says in Romans 8, is that all creation was subject to futility, and it groans. Creation groans. So there is corrupt DNA that comes into place because of what you say. Because your body was designed to respond to spoken words. You know, in, um, Pigeon, in Pigeon English in Papua New Guinea, when they talk about, in Genesis chapter 1, they talk about how God created. And it says, and God he talk all same, which means God says this, ground, which is ground, ground he come, you must come up. And then ground responds by going, all right, he come up. Grass, he come up. All right, he come up. And there's this lovely example of how God spoke and creation responded. All right, he come up. Your body, let's just look at your physical body. Your physical body is groaning for the word of God to be spoken. And when you speak this perfect DNA that comes from this huge library of information that is found in Jesus, the Word, when you take that and you speak it, your body goes, all right, you come up. So you've got pain in your knee, speak to your knee. Your knee goes, all right, you come up. It's as simple as that. You can actually change your DNA. 
You can change. And, you know, if you re uh, read after some people who've studied on this, Carolyn Leaf is one of them, and she says, you can actually change your DNA. You know, um, one of my children had an inherited genetic disorder. And um, I, I was distressed about it because it had appeared in, throughout generations in our family. And I went to the Lord about it. And it took a little while, but I went, you know what? I'm going to break that now. By the, and, and I said, you genetic fault, no one will eat of your fruit any longer. Kill that thing. And I believe, and it has never shown up in any of our children or our grandchildren. Do you know that you can change your DNA by speaking that perfect code that is encoded in Christ Jesus, which is the word of God. And that's what I felt that night as I sat in my bathroom with that text in front of me and I read that scripture. He will, he will preserve and honour you because you know his name. I felt it start to work in my body. I felt it start to work in my body. Praise the Lord. Do you know the word of God is so powerful? So powerful. So we've got a few minutes left now. Um, just one more scripture. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, okay? So you're born again. You have in you corrupted DNA, which is not always your fault, but sometimes it is. You know, you've inherited it, you've eaten bad diets, you've said the wrong things, you've lived in polluted, whatever, whatever, whatever. Your DNA is corrupted. When you are born again, you are now in Christ Jesus. And you've got this whole resource of perfect DNA that God originally created you to have. So if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. How many of you could use some DNA therapy? I could use some DNA therapy. Praise the Lord. So we're going to do that. We're going to have a look at Ephesians chapter 1. And yes. And we're going to say it together. And we're going to personalize it. And we'll put it up on the screen because I've already personalized it for you. Okay, so this is what we pray. Let's say it together. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of my understanding being enlightened, that I may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints in me, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards me who believes, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, that every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that in which is to come. And he has put all things under his head, under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You know, you're just doing DNA gene therapy on yourself. 
You are changing your body, which is responding to the word of God. Okay. And so I realized that I have passed on to my children DNA. You know, some of my kids have got brown hair, big nose, big feet, whatever. They got my DNA. They got my husband's DNA. My redheads got their grandmother's DNA. But you know, I can pass DNA on to my children still, right today. And so we're going to have a look in Ephesians 2. And if you have people in your family that need a little DNA therapy, speak the word. And so I've put the name up. Um, next one. Oh, yes. See, the word says name. Instead of name, you say the name, or you can say my children, my husband, my mother, my whatever, okay? So we're going to say this. Ephesians chapter 2, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved my children, even when they were dead in trespasses, he made my children alive together with Christ. By grace they have been saved. And he raised my children up together. And he made my children to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards my children in Christ Jesus. For by grace they have been saved through faith, and that not of themselves. It is the gift of God, not works, lest anyone should boast. For my children are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that my children should walk in them. Do you know your children were created in Christ Jesus? There is a perfect DNA set of instructions for your children, for your husband, for your parents, for people who are in your scope of influence. And you can speak this over them and you are taking the word of God and they are designed to respond to it. Okay, so here's one more thing which I found to be really, really powerful and I've seen the evidence of this at work in my family. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2. And it's about bringing together people who, have, uh, who are in strife that at the same time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity, bringing the feud to an end. Oh my, you got strife in your family? In Christ Jesus, there is unity. So today, I want you to look at the word afresh. When you go to the word, don't just say it as rote. 
you're speaking like, you know, wave a magic wand and say the magic words, ab abracadabra. Because some people use the word like that. But when you've got that revelation that you're actually delving into your in Christ realities, delving into that perfect DNA code that was written about you, about your family, you can actually speak the creative words of God because all of creation is waiting to hear it. You speak the word of God and he responds by saying, all right, here come up. Aren't you thankful for the word of God? Oh, I tell you what, I am so thankful for it and I felt, I felt its effect in my body this past fortnight. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. So, Father, we just thank you for your word and we thank you that in your word, in Christ Jesus, is the source of all blessing. We have been blessed in Christ Jesus with all spiritual blessing, everything that pertains to life and to godliness. And we thank you for it tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.